BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode. And before we start this episode, I want to encourage all our listeners to please subscribe and rate our channel. We definitely appreciate that. Also, feel free to give us feedback. Like I said, all three of those things, we definitely appreciate it. I just want to start the show off and let you guys know. And um, here's another episode. I hope you all enjoy it. On the way to the top floor. I ain't selling out, though, but I'm on the way. Got a lot of real, Mr. Motivate. Hold all the moves, I'm going to play play. On the way. On the way, on the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next, but I'm on the way. You ain't take risks, cause you're too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way, on the way. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I'm your host, Xavier Miller. I'm sitting here with my co-host, uh, Deanna Kent. What's up, everybody? And today we have a, this is going to be another good episode with uh, another special guest. We have, uh, his name is Will Roundtree. He's a credit educator, entrepreneur, investor, uh, author. And he has, a, a, doing a bunch of big things, especially within our community, helping us, giving us game and helping us just uh, step our game up. So appreciate you for coming on the show, bro. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys inviting me. Thank yes, you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, one of the first questions I always like asking our guests is like, so like, what got you started on your like financial journey, your real estate journey, all that? What What was the What was the starting point? Uh, I mean, it, it started out just one having a pain point. Uh, you know, uh, back in two thousand and five, I had a mentor who told me he said, "Well, eventually, credit is going to become the new dollar." So uh, really didn't know what he meant by that at the time, but uh, ended up moving to Las Vegas, Nevada, and I quickly found out what he meant. I couldn't rent an apartment, you know, in my name. I couldn't buy a vehicle without a cosigner. And here I am, 26 years old, calling my parents, asking them to cosign for a vehicle for me. Mm. And uh, I just, you know, felt as a man, I needed to do better in life. Mm. <laughs> you know? yeah. So uh, just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so from that point, just took it upon myself to try to learn as much as I can about credit. Uh, you know, a few years past that point, was able to finally get a vehicle in my name, mm. uh, uh, was able to buy my own home, uh, first time homeowner. And then just started learning more about wealth because one of the things that I started to learn about, there was a direct correlation between credit and wealth. And mm-hmm. it's a, and the operative word in between that is leverage. And so I started to learn more about how wealthy people leverage credit or leverage other people's money to, to build and, and curate wealth. And so uh, started learning more about real estate and uh, investing and different things like that. So uh, kind of the Cliff Notes version about how I got into this space. And 
what I did was is I figured, you know, there's a lot of people where I come from in my community. I, I know we didn't have access to this type of information. Exactly. What I wanted to do, because I know information is really what separates us. Uh, and so I took it upon myself to say, you know what? Uh, I'm not trying to necessarily sell my services. I just want to educate and inform people. And my services are just be the byproduct of what I'm educating people mm -hmm. on. And so mm -hmm. it just kind of grew from there. Mm, that's dope, dope. You that's definitely dope. So uh, I know you mentioned leverage. And like recently, that's been like one of my favorite words, like leverage. <laughs> like that's a, that's a super important word. But uh, on, the on, the, on the credit topic, why is credit king for people that don't know? So, um, so credit is king, and I get people that go back and forth with me all the time <laughs> saying cash is king, or mm -hmm. you know, credit is for, uh, you know, it's just you know, uh, debt and all of that. And I always say credit is king for a couple different reasons. One, we've been conditioned to look at debt. We've been conditioned to look at credit from a consumer standpoint. So most people who are only consumers, yes, credit is debt, but not even knowing that everything in our lives is pretty much centered around our credit scores. Okay. Think about mm -hmm. it. You can't buy a house or rent an apartment with challenge credit, or if you do, it's going to be more expensive. Can't buy a vehicle without decent credit, or guess what? You're going to be paying 29% interest rates. Uh, employers are running credit scores. Uh, insurance companies, there's a direct correlation between people with bad credit and high insurance rates. Um, you know, I was speaking with the parent not too long ago, she couldn't rent a, a, an instrument for her daughter because her credit was bad. Okay. You know, I always tell people that your credit score is a direct reflection of the school zone your kids are going to go to school in. Yeah. Think about it. When we have less than desirable credit scores, we have to live in less than, than desirable neighborhoods, which usually the schools are not as good. So there's so many different correlations that are linked to our credit score. And I always tell people credit is really just a tool. And when we learn how to use that tool properly, I always like to say it just lubricates our lives a little bit more because, you know, having bad credit is expensive. It <laughs> is. That's the thing that I always tell people. So so ultimately, that's why I say credit is king. And for my uh, pundits who always say, well, cash is king. And I tell and I always say, tell me one business owner or one investor who never ran out of cash. And it's usually quiet. <laughs> and I say, but credit is endless because guess what? Even if I get maxed out on my credit, guess what? I can now start a business and leverage that company and go and get credit. But then guess what? I can start five, six other businesses and get credit on all those companies. And then even if I get to a, a maxed out point to where I can't leverage anymore, well, guess what? I've been working on my wife's credit. I set my wife up with three or four different businesses. So when you are a business owner, usually the, the, the number one issue is, is why we can't grow or scale is or even get our businesses off the ground is the lack of capital. But when you're when you learn how to leverage credit properly, getting the money is the easiest component. And that's mm. why I would say credit is king. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I agree. And I agree with that 100 percent. And going into the uh, business credit, do you mind like going over the dis differences between your personal credit and your business credit? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I want to tell people is that there's a misconception about what business credit is, meaning that I get people that come to me all the time saying, hey, I'm trying to get, you know, a bunch of credit without using my social. And the first thing I always try to tell people, those days don't exist anymore. Mm. Uh, banks want someone to be liable. You know, ever since the whole housing market crashed, the debacle of the banks in 2008, uh, 
60 to 70 percent of the debt was tied to small business owners. And so the banks want to ensure that they can, you know, hold someone as a recourse if they were to default. Mm -hmm. So banks are always going to ask for your Social Security number. But the major difference is, is that uh, when you're trying to scale as an individual from a personal standpoint, you can max yourself out from a lending or borrower standpoint on credit because of what's called your DTI, your debt to income. Meaning, if you are only making you know five thousand dollars a month, a bank can only lend you so much because if your expenses are forty five hundred, you only have a five hundred dollar cushion. But I can go and start a business, show them projected business sales where I'm saying, okay, I'm gonna do five hundred thousand in cash flow, a hundred thousand at the end of the year. Now they can loan me or borrow my company up to a certain dollar amount based upon my potential cash flow. And so, again, it's about the information because there are some banks that allow you to uh, 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 apply for certain business lines of credit using stated and projected income. And so, uh, so yeah, so that's really the big difference with your personal. It doesn't tie you to, uh, you know, being underwater from a DTI standpoint, again, which stands for debt to income. And as a company, I can set up as many entities as I can, as I want and go and get credit towards those companies. So also too, I'm not co-mingling my funds. So in layman's terms, that's really the difference in, in the power of having business credit or access to it. Mm. If somebody um, wanted to establish business credit, how would they go about um, starting that? And how would they build their um, business credit? Yeah, so a couple of different ways. One is you got to have a business. <laughs> you know, I, I speak to so many people who they have just the DBA, which if those don't know what that stands for, doing business as or a sole proprietor, banks can't differentiate between the two. So you always want to have some form of an entity, whether it's an LLC, uh, incorporation, S-Corp. The type of entity is going to be based upon whatever tax liability you want to be in. So I always recommend people, you know, see their accountant or attorney or whatever. Uh, as far as the basis of getting started, there are general uh, kind of checklists or checkpoints that always say that you want to have with your business. One, so that your business is bank compliant. Over 85% of small businesses are not bank compliant. Mm. For example, uh, a, a bank can deny your application just by not having a fax number, you know, or for, you know, my, uh, my uh, startup businesses who uh, use a P.O. box. Banks will not lend to you if you are using a P.O. box for your business. And if you're using a, uh, a company that uses a P.O. box that houses or looks like a commercial address, well, banks have sophisticated software where they'll do a USPS address lookup to validate and see if uh, you're using a P.O. box because there's so much fraud in that space, banks are trying to protect their interests. So a lot of it always tell people it's about perception, what you look like on paper, not having the uh, proper SIC code, uh, which stands for uh, standardized industrial classification. Essentially, what you classify your business or the industry you classify your business in can deny you. Uh, potential bank loans or bank funding or bank credit. So there's so many different parameters. And again, it really just boils down to having the proper information. And that's one of the things that, you know, I try to do is sit down with my clients because, you know, everybody comes to me and the first thing they say, oh, I'm trying to get a half a million dollars for my business. <laughs> well, first, we need to see what you look like, what your company looks like, uh, what, what's your company industry. So we show people how to structure themselves on paper, as I say, 
flying below the radar, especially if in their, if they're in those high risk industries that banks will give an automatic denial just because of the classification of the uh, business code. Mm, wow, that's crazy. What would be some um, examples of a uh, high risk categories? Well, real estate is probably one of the top ones. Okay. So I always tell a lot of my real estate investors, you know, um, yeah, granny, we like to tell people we're in real estate. I'm a real estate investor myself, but none of my companies have real estate in the title. You know, I always tell people I've never had a business or someone not want to do business with me because of my company name. <laughs> so I just structure my companies appropriately. So for someone who's in real estate, I normally tell them to structure their business as a property management company. Uh, I, I deal with a lot of people in uh, uh, car sales. I always tell them car sales is extremely high risk. So you want to structure your company as an auto repair shop, not just car, not car sales. Uh, there are certain transportation industries. If you have investments in your company or capital or uh, credit repair, I own a credit repair business. My company name does not have credit repair in there. I'm a management and consulting company because I manage and I consult people. So it's certain things like that. You can actually Google and go online and type in high-risk business industries, and it'll tell you some of the top high-risk. Of course, gambling, uh, pornography websites, you know, different things like that you want to kind of stay away from, at least mm -hmm. on paper. Okay. And another question I had was, what is one of the quickest ways to build your uh, personal credit? Because I know that's a question a lot of people ask. Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, it really depends on what's going on with your file. And I always tell people that, um, everybody's credit rebuilding process is literally like a fingerprint. You'll never get an identical process. So, so the first thing is, is understanding like what makes up a credit score, which a lot of people aren't aware of. So the um, five components that make up a credit score, you have 35%, which makes up your payment history, 30%, which is credit utilization, 15%, which is length of your credit, 10% is new credit, and another 10% is the mixture of credit. So, so for example, you can have someone who has nothing in collections, nothing reporting derogatory, but their credit utilization is 100%, meaning they have one credit card for $300. That $300 credit card is maxed out. Well, guess what? Their score will be in the 400s, and that's all they have on their credit. So it doesn't mean their credit is bad. It just means that the information or the components reporting in that profile is bad. So the best way for that person to raise their credit is to get some additional revolving credit, one, or pay the bill down. And so, uh, or you take someone who has a, an adverse amount of collection accounts. The thing I always tell people, getting negative items deleted usually is not always the only reason your scores are being held down. If you have multiple late payments, if you have a public record, such as a bankruptcy or a judgment. So, but usually the fastest way to increase your score is to get your utilization paid down, which that typically tends to be one of the number one reasons a lot of people's scores are impacted. And so this is why I say as a, as a precautional measure, everyone should have minimum access to at least $10,000 worth of revolving credit cards. And the reason I say that is because we all understand life happens. Mm -hmm. And so you can have someone who just has that one $300 credit card. Life happened. They had to, you know, take their daughter or son to the emergency room. They spend $300 on that credit card. Their score just dropped 150 points. 
But if they have $10,000 worth of revolving credit, not using it in a consumer standpoint or as a consumer, but using that credit as a lifeline, now they still have to spend that same $300. Now their utilization is only 3%. So it didn't impact their score. So it's really just about learning the game of credit. And when you learn it, you can play it differently. And when you learn how to play it differently, now you always know how to repair or rebuild your own credit. And those are some of the components and things that I, I like to teach our clients. Okay. And, and are those same rules, does that apply to having a, like perfect credit? If you do that, does that get you like a perfect credit score? Absolutely. If okay. you follow those five core components, you will definitely have the perfect credit score. I actually have a video on YouTube about how to build a perfect credit score. And that's all I do is go over those components. Okay. Okay. Understood. Um, okay. The credit unit. Credit utilization, um, I always hear people say it's best to keep it, your limits under 30% of like um, your actual total credit limit. Do you agree with that method as well? Yeah, 30% or less. Okay. Uh, 30% is just kind of like bare minimum. Uh, anything over 30% is always going to impact you. Now, again, life can happen if you go over 30%. It's not the end of the world, but now at least we know what we got to do to get our credit back down. Because I've seen people get swindled where credit repair companies are charging them for credit repair. And all they got to do is pay down a $300 credit card. Mm. So it's important for us to know these uh, these strategies because that's really what helps us in, in anything in life. It's having access to more strategies. And like I tell people, we don't have a money problem. We have a lack of strategy problem. Whether you're an entrepreneur, mm. whether you're trying to get through life. When you're trying to figure out real estate, credit, whatever it is. So, yes, with the utilization, that is just one of the strategies that we all should know in case your utilization ever does go over 30%. Because as an entrepreneur, you have to use your credit. So sometimes you will be over 30%. Mm -hmm. But you understand it's short term because you say, you know what, I got this flip coming in in 90 days. I'll be able to pay my credit back down. And now my score is going to go back up. And then guess what? Now I can go back to the bank and borrow more money. Because when you're using revolving credit, as long as you can show the banks you can use it, pay it back responsibly, they'll always give you access to more capital. Mm. So, again, just more strategies put in place. Okay, okay. And another thing I want to ask you about was uh, blanket loans. Do you mind explaining blanket loans? Absolutely. So, uh, in layman's terms, a blanket loan is just the strategy we use in real estate. Uh, when building up a portfolio. So uh, I, t I hear a lot of pundits say, you know, uh, single family homes are a waste of money or a waste of real estate time and all of this, that, and the third. I don't believe in that. For one, that's not practical for our community. We need mm -hmm. to find any entry point we can into real estate because some of us, again, we lack the information. <laughs> you know, yeah. we lack the capital. So if I can find a, 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 a more cost-effective entry point to getting into building a real estate portfolio, I'll start with a single-family home. And so uh, so thinking about the game of Monopoly, the main objective is what? You get four properties and turn it into a hotel, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So same thing kind of like with the blanket loan. I'm going to buy multiple single-family homes. Let's say over the course of three years, I buy four, four single-family homes. Of course... When you purchase the properties with the proper strategies, because I know a lot of people that's bought real estate that bought it just to buy it, not making any money. But you want to make sure you're buying them with the proper strategies. And then what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to go get what's called a blanket loan to essentially where I'm refinancing all four of my properties to put them under one loan 
So essentially, I'm still kind of doing a cash out where now I'm going to have one mortgage payment. And then anything I have left over from an, uh, from an equity standpoint, I now can take that from that blanket loan and go buy that multifamily. So it's a quicker way to kind of leverage up, again, starting from a smaller scale because everybody can't just go and get the four family or the 10 unit or the 30 unit building, you know. So we prime example, we had a client, one of our one on one coaching clients. We started off with, you know, first we helped them get the capital. We helped them get about four single family homes. We then helped them refinance under one blanket loan. And then he was able to purchase a 12 unit building. I was fully occupied. So it's really just another real estate strategy for my real estate investors. Can you, um, and because you say you refinance into the blanket loan, can you initially buy the properties with a blanket loan? Uh, if you, if someone is selling a portfolio, okay. so let's say I was liquidating my portfolio and I have 10 properties, essentially, yes, uh, it would just be you can do one blanket mortgage over all 10 of those properties, absolutely. Okay. Now, not every bank does it, so you know, you, you do. You may have to call multiple banks in your particular region. But one of the things that I noticed with a lot of people, they'll call one or two banks. The bank tell them they don't do it. They give up. Mm. Well, I, tell, I tell people all the time, it took us 40, 47 phone calls to different banks in our local area until we found a bank that did it. Mm-hmm. But that's because we don't mind putting in that sweat equity. <laughs> you know, it was mm-hmm. worth it. And yeah. then we ended up finding a play that worked for us as well as our clients. Okay. And getting back into uh, business credit, because I know this is a very important topic, especially I'm pretty sure for the people that's listening, they're going to be like, okay, this is a real good topic. Absolutely. I, I say uh, that you had, you had a post and it was saying how you could leverage you could leverage your credit to get uh, a quarter of a million dollars quick for like your business credit. Do you mind like uh, diving into that? Yeah, so uh, essentially I'm a, uh, the president and co-founder of a, a company that myself and my business partner, Jay Morrison, uh, put together called Easy Funding, where we essentially just show people how to leverage their personal credit profile, kind of a little bit what we touched on earlier, and be able to get access up to a quarter of a million. Okay. And the reason we always say up to is that if somebody who just started building credit and the most credit they've ever had in their life is $3,000, they're not going to get a quarter of a million right away. So it's a process and a progress. And so essentially just adopting some of the principles that we've been talking about on this uh, live thus far, we're just uh, structuring that and putting them in our network of banks that we deal with, with our underwriters. And so essentially we just, we we give everybody the blueprint. Now uh, it's almost impossible for somebody to fail going this route as long as they follow the steps to the T. Now, does everybody get the hundreds of thousands? No, No, not at all. Everything is going to vary. But as long as they stay in the game and understand, you know, everybody is going to be able to mature their capital stack in different uh, rates. But now here's the other kicker that a lot of us, especially in our community, we don't take advantage of. We don't understand how to syndicate meaning. Okay, let's say I go through the easy funding program and my first wave of funding only get 50000 okay? But I got three business partners. I put them in position. We make sure that their credit is right. They get 50000 150000 Combined, we now got one fifty. So we go out there, we do a deal, make the money, pay our creditors back. Now we're liquid again. Guess what? We can go to the bank and ask 
ask all of them to double our capital stack. So now that 150 turns into 300. Mm. So it's really just all strategies. And this is why I tell people, we have to stop thinking in the box. We have to think outside the box. You know, there was a study done where they said the scientists will put an ant on a piece of paper and draw a circle around the mm. ant. And the ant would never leave outside that circle. That's how a lot of us have been conditioned to think. And this is why sometimes we haven't grown as a community from a financial standpoint. But other communities have, one, been able to uh, 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 exploit and, and understand the power of leverage, understand the power of syndica- uh, syndication, and understand that there's strength in numbers. So I would rather work with four or five of my you know, business partners. We all get access to 100,000. Now we got a half a million. There's not many projects we won't be able to do. So in layman's terms, that's pretty much how the uh, uh, easy funding process works is we uh, put them in position by first making sure their personal credit is strong because we know what the underwriters are looking for. Mm -hmm. So we can look at somebody's credit report, their personal credit, tell them exactly what they need to do to be in position, help them set up a business, make sure that company is compliant, make sure it's bank compliant, and then put those two profiles together, take those to our three dozen bank lenders that we have and underwriters. And in a lot of these banks, we deal with the underwriters directly. So we uh, can almost ensure that they get access to something. Okay. That, 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 uh, that makes a, a whole lot of sense, really. And uh, another question I had was, oh, I know one of your rules is uh, never co-sign it. Oh, yeah. So, uh, she's going to ask you that. Uh, but, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I agree with that. But uh, do you mind going into that as well? Because I know some people that, like, that, that they probably, that's like, all they know. that's all they know. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, trust me, and for anybody listening, watching this, I've been in this position. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had to beg family members to co-sign for me, this, that, and the third. And guess what? Every single time I had them co-sign for me, and, of course, this when I was in my early 20s, I never paid it. Because I knew that, you know what, I'm not totally responsible for it, so whatever. And so I tell people as a precautionary rule, you never co-sign for anybody because it's almost like, you know, the wealthy kid who their parents buy them a car. They're not going to take care of it because they know mommy and daddy, they got them again. Same thing when it comes to co-signing. So I want to believe that we need to start, uh, we need to stop enabling our loved ones and saying, you know what, if you can't afford a vehicle right now or your credit is bad, well, then you're just going to have to sacrifice, <laughs> you know, and do what you got to do. And let's fix your credit, because if you stop making the payments, I'm the one held liable if I co-sign. And if you don't make the payment, most of the time they're not going to tell me. So then next time I'm in, I'm getting ready to go buy my next investment property. And they say I have a repo that my nephew didn't tell me about. So. I don't believe we should co-sign for family members or friends. Uh, you know, I would rather educate somebody and say, you know what, let's fix your credit. So now you can go to the dealership, buy a vehicle with no money down, get the best interest rates, and you can get a vehicle that's going to probably be more reliable as opposed to buying a 10-year-old vehicle with, you know, a 29% interest rate. No knock mm. against the age of the vehicle, but, you know, Generally, when you have bad or challenged credit, you put yourself in a position where you're going to be paying four times the amount for that vehicle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I, 
I just don't believe in co-signing for people because you should see the horror stories mm-hmm. I, I get of clients who didn't even know that their loved one defaulted on the loan or didn't pay the car note or they get a late payment. You know, just think about it. You're, you're getting ready. Let's say you and your wife getting ready to go buy a home. You co-sign for a, a niece or a nephew. They got a late payment on that automobile. Well, guess what? One late payment can drop a credit score of 50 to 150 points. Now you're disqualified from buying a mortgage because they didn't tell you they didn't make the payment. They were too ashamed. Too ashamed. So, yeah, so yeah, I, I told my mother, look, I love you, mom, but I can't close on for you. Yeah, I think no, everybody I, had that talk at some point. I, I, no, I feel that 100%. I feel that 100 And I want to get back on business credit for a second because this is a topic that I love to discuss because as a business owner, I'm always looking for ways to not use my capital. I want to use so <laughs> You feel me? So, like, so if you have multiple, so if someone has, like, multiple businesses, like, and they have, like, four LLCs or whatever, so they can go to the bank and get up four different credit lines for each business? 100%. I have a client right now. We're on his sixth company that he's getting capital for. Wow. So what What does the banks, like, based is on, like, what? how much they're going to give you because they can see, like, you got this, you got this business, you got this, and I gave you that. Like, what are they looking like, at? Like, what are they as looking far at? As your so a couple different things. Uh, so there's different types of funding, okay, when it comes to the business. You have now a lot of people are always trying to get a small business loan. I always tell people you can you have better time winning the lottery. Banks usually don't do small business loans. Uh, so what but I actually prefer uh, utilizing revolving credit lines. A couple different reasons. Let's say I got a bank loan for fifty K, all right? I use it, pay it back, guess what? I'm out of capital. You know, because normally when you borrow money, you don't double up. So, uh, but if I get $50,000 line of credit, I use it, borrow it, uh, pay it back. Now I got 50000 again. And so, so you have revolving lines of credit and you have business credit cards, almost kind of the same concept. I borrow it, use it, pay it back. The money is available again. So now when you have a brand new company, what a bank is going to look at is they're going to look at your business classification. They're going to look at, and then they're going to look at your personal credit profile. And so they can loan you against your business, unsecured, non-collateralized, which means you don't have to put up any collateral. uh, uh, And you can get a business credit card with a brand new company. Now, the second phase of business lending is uh, our business lines of credit, which essentially the bank will give you a line of credit where you can walk into the bank and borrow cash off that uh, credit line. Now, banks typically want to see that your business is two years old because they know statistically most businesses don't make it past two years. So if you made it past two years, you're doing you know something halfway right. Now, here's a little secret a lot of people don't know. Even if your company has been dormant for two years and your business credit is uh, and your personal credit is uh, strong enough and your in your business profile, which we also help people build up, is uh, is is on, on on paper strong enough, you can still get access to business lines of credit even if your company had been dormant for two years. Now, one of the, the one of the other caveats, and this is what I tell people, is that this is why it's also important why you want to file taxes against your company, even if your company didn't make any money. You want to file taxes, so I always tell people that it's. Well, several things all of us should know in life, but as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a community, if we learn the tax game or at least have a really good accountant or CPA, 
and uh, we we understand and really learn the credit game, there's nothing we will not be able to accomplish from a uh, wealth creation standpoint, along with understanding real estate and business principles. So, so yes. So going back to the example of my client who were on his sixth company, he has six companies. All of them were seasoned. They were all over two years old, and we helped him get uh, about seventy five thousand. From, on a line of credit from each one of those companies and that's just one bank we can go to multiple banks and do this so so yeah so there's so many different strategies this is why i tell people getting the money is the easiest part we just have to make sure that that foundation is laid and a lot of us don't want to take the time to lay the foundation properly you know think about it. if you're a contractor and you build a home if your foundation is shaky what's going to happen to that house not always going to crumble it's collapse same thing with when it comes to building your credit foundation. And when you learn that strategy and that principle, I'm telling you, you can literally walk into any single bank and get money. And this is this is why I love the credit space. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, you know, I, I, I have a client right now between he and his wife. They have access to over two point three million dollars in capital. There's yeah. nothing they can't go out there and finance and do. And they're real estate investors. So, and I started working with them four years ago. So, I always tell people if you're in this for the long term, we'll get you. We'll get you in position. That's not a problem. So, um, question about the business lines of credit. But let's say someone has multiple, like they have their multiple lines of business credit, and they do something wrong and they default on these loans and they start messing up. Will it affect your personal credit in any shape or form, or does it just hurt like your business? Um, entity. Very good question. So it depends if the bank does a non-recourse against the personal guarantor or not. Uh, I do tell people that most banks do, but this is one of the things that uh, I do share a lot, especially in our community, because there's a there's a, a, a huge taboo uh, within our community, and we're scared of the B word called bankruptcy. See, when wealthy people file bankruptcy, it's not because they're poor; they're filing bankruptcy because they're protecting their assets. So to, to your question, in the event, let's say everything goes completely left, you know, uh, then this is where we tell people you may want to consider filing bankruptcy. We actually have a client going through that right now. He uh, was in a severe car accident, uh, you know, uh, can't, you know, run his business or whatever. And so but the thing we have to always understand is that a couple of different things, again, because we lack information and strategy, this is why people normally fold and just give up. Just because you file bankruptcy, one, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world because your credit can always be repaired after bankruptcy once it's discharged and you can have a bankruptcy removed from your credit report. You don't have to wait the 10 years. That's the first thing. Secondly, I've been laying my foundation. So my wife's credit is good. My mom's credit is good. My sister, I got two uh, kids who credit are great. And I'm just speaking as an example. Guess what? I may have had to file BK, but they're still in position. So guess what? I'm still able to run my business. I'm still able to go and get more capital. So I, I'm still positioned to leverage the strategies that I've learned to still go out there and, and handle things accordingly. I just filed the bankruptcy to protect my assets, my personal assets, my personal homes, automobiles, my bank accounts, all of that. So if something does happen, and you know, and, and it could, yeah, you have things that have been put in place that wealthy people have been doing forever but we just look at it with such a negative connotation because we lack the information and the strategies on how it's in place to put to 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 uh to to aid us 
and, 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 and whatnot. So, yeah, things can't happen. And I do tell people, you know, those are things that you want to be cautious about. But there are strategies to, to, to overcome those things. Wow. So uh, another question. <laughs> you mentioned that your children's credit is good. So I don't know how old your kids are. But from a different standpoint, I know most people that I know, and it kind of happened to me, their parents start ruining their credit before they even get to the age of 18. So do you believe in going on the opposite side of the spectrum instead of ruining your child's credit, starting to build their credit for them before they get 18? So when they do turn 18, they're in a good credit standpoint. A thousand percent. Uh, my son is nine and my daughter, she'll be 18 in June. And my eight, my, my daughter, yeah, we started building her credit at 16. Okay. And she literally can't wait to pull her credit when she turns 18 because she's going to have a 700 plus credit score. I wholeheartedly believe we should be educating our children on credit because for one, uh, if they choose to go to college, that's generally where they're going to ruin it if they don't mm -hmm. understand it. Because as soon as you get on a college campus, you have these predatorial companies out there mm -hmm. offering you a T-shirt and a free slice of pizza to get this credit card. Mm -hmm. Well, if they're not educated on how to use that credit card, they're going to ruin their credit. And I speak to college students who they didn't think they had to pay their credit card back until after they graduated. They thought it was lumped into that student loan. But now, guess what? I've educated my daughter, so no matter what she decides to do, if she wants to go buy a vehicle, guess what? I don't have to co-sign for her. She has a 750 when she turns 21 and she wants to buy uh, rent an apartment or I, I'm educating her about ownership. So if she wants to buy a home at 21 or however old she wants to be. Guess what? She's in position. So, yeah, we need to start educating our children as young. I mean, I, I mentor a group of fourth and fifth graders with my team and I'm teaching my fourth and fifth graders about credit. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't think that there is no preset age limit because, I mean, uh, learning how to dissect a frog has done nothing for me in my adulthood. Nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. So, but me teaching them about credit, I've changed and impacted their lives because now their parents are reaching out to me saying, wow, thank you. My son is teaching me something and he's 13 years old or however old they are at fifth grade. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's just a, it, it's a, a positive cycle of information that we're spewing and, and really changing our culture and communities out here with this information. Man, this, this is amazing. I know we could go, you, you could go on this topic all day. And this oh, whole, <laughs> and this, this, this is so amazing to me because like this, this information is powerful because with knowing with this information, we could change the web gap like that. So it's like crazy to hear all this stuff. But I want to ask, what are the RBCs? Because I see you say speak on that a lot. Yeah, definitely. So I always tell people there's three things we have to learn in life. Uh, real estate, business, and credit. That's what RBC stands for. Real estate, the reason that's important, one, we need to have ownership in something. And real estate, it's no coincidence that over 70% of all multimillionaires and wealthy individuals have some form of real estate in their portfolio. And then whenever I'm traveling and doing different workshops, I take a poll and I always ask people, who in here lives somewhere? And usually I'm batting 100 out of 100 every time. And I'm saying, OK, this is why we need to have home ownership. And so it's, if you learn the principles of always knowing how to invest in real estate, you'll always be able to create wealth. And the thing I tell people is that real estate investing, that's your retirement fund, you know, not the. The, what used to be a 401k, which is now a 201k, <laughs> which soon is probably going to be a 101k. Right. The, 
that's the thing of the past. I mean, if I, if my grandfather was still alive and I asked him about his pension, he would be like, those don't exist anymore. So our new retirement fund needs to start being real estate. And it's enough out here for a lot of us to be to, 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 to partake in because everybody needs somewhere to live. Mm-hmm. So we need to understand real estate and the strategies and principles behind it. Business, I think that all of us need to have some form of business or entrepreneurship endeavors. Whether you work a nine to five, it's okay. But it's nothing wrong with me learning principles of business and maybe starting an e-commerce while I'm working my nine to five. And now I have an additional thousand dollars a month coming into my household, Mm -hmm. especially when they say that, you know, most people in our community only have five hundred dollars or less in the savings account. And so we should always learn some form of business or entrepreneurship principles. So that way, again, going back to ownership. Yeah, if my daughter chooses to go to school for, uh, you know, cosmetology or to be a doctor or a respiratory therapist, I say, you know what, do that. But I don't want you to go to school to be just an employee. I want you to think ownership. I want you to own the barbershop or salon you're going to work in. I want you to own the medical facility that you may be working in. So business principles are always teaching us about ownership and us owning any facet of employment that we ever decided to go into. You know, one of my first jobs when I moved to Las Vegas is I worked for a law firm that did credit repair. And that's kind of how I got my start and had the aha moment because I used that job to learn everything of what not to do. I saw all the things they were doing wrong. And I said, you know what, if I start my own business, I know what not to do. (laughs) So I can stay in business longer. And then from a credit standpoint, again, credit is the foundation because if you learn credit, you'll always be able to buy real estate. If you learn credit in the principles of leveraging credit, you'll always have access to capital to start those businesses. And so I always tell people, we should always be in position to be the architect of our own of, of our own destiny. Meaning, if I have a business idea, why would I want to go mortgage 60% of my business to an investor where they're going to invest a little bit of money but own 60% of my company when I can make sure that my credit is positioned properly, go and get the capital, start the business myself, and then if I want to take on investors, uh, but now I have a, 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 a profitable business, I'm only taking on investors from a, 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 a from not from an equity standpoint, but more of a return standpoint. So now, as opposed to me giving up and relinquishing most of my business because I needed the money, now people want to invest with me just to get a return. Mm. I don't give them any equity. So again, it's a paradigm shift. This is why we need to learn credit. Man, this is crazy. Yeah. And I only, I only got two more questions because I know you got the time slot, so I want to ask these two real quick. Uh, the first one was, oh man, I forgot. What's, but uh, <laughs> man, man, my mind going crazy right now. But uh, so one of them was so uh, knowing all this, do you do you even believe in ever using your own capital? No. Well, okay. No. <laughs> I want. I definitely want to ask that because I'm like, because I, because that's just something I battle with. Because like we really stay the best. So sometimes I'm like, man, we like we got the we got the funds to do it, but I'll be like. Do we have to do this? Like, it, I know it's a way where we ain't got to use our capital. So I wanted to ask you, you, you well more, way more formed on this than me. And when you saying that, they already let me know everything right there. Yeah, my <laughs> partner and I, we, we bought 14 doors in 2018. We didn't use one dime of our own money. I'll always wow. leverage capital and use the bank's money every single time. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. And uh, 
the last one was so for the people that's uh, gonna be listening to this episode, where can they like uh, find you and if they want to reach out to you or get uh, get started in an easy funding program and all that? Where can it, where, where's the starting point for them? Definitely. So uh, they can find me on all or most of all social media platforms, primarily Instagram and uh, Facebook uh, at Mr. Will Roundtree. And then, of course, uh, I have a YouTube channel where I I'm, a lot of this what I'm talking about. I go into depth, you know, more uh, detailed videos uh, also at Mr. Roundtree. So please make sure to subscribe. Uh, I also have my book, Credit is King. Yep. Make sure to go pick up a copy of this book. Uh, and then uh, for access, information about Easy Funding, the website is www.useeasy, and that's easyfunding.com. And uh, I always tell people, I mean, I'm, I'm very reachable. Uh, reach out to me on social media. You know, uh, I, I do reply. It may take a little bit of time because I get a million DMs a day, but I do try to make sure I respond to everybody because, you know, I, I know how it feels to sit on the other side and just hungry for that information. And, and I love working with and, 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 and uh, dialoguing with people who are ambitious. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I know how that one nugget can change somebody's life. And I always tell people we're one degree away from being successful. And, but we just got to stay in the game long enough. And so uh, I'm always out trying to inspire people because I know there's so much negativity going on, whether it's in our household, dealing with, you know, negative uh, co-workers mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and all types of things so you know so I always tell people if you come to my social media platforms you're going to get inspired or at least that's my goal to inspire you to go out there and do what it is you want to do oh man we appreciate that and I'm going to definitely be hitting you offline about the easy funding because I want to I want to connect with you on the next but we definitely like I said we definitely appreciate you coming on man we're going to have to do this again you dropped a whole lot of game and only it's only been forty three minutes, and you dropped a whole lot of game. I'm like, man, we got we got to bring you back, man. I appreciate that. Anytime, man. I, I appreciate you guys inviting me. Thank yes, sir. You. Definitely. Yep. Yes, sir. All right. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Yep. All right. Peace. All right, guys. Well, that was another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets with Will Roundtree. And uh, if you guys don't forget to check out his book, Credit Is King. All the information plus more he was discussing, he has that in his book. So please go check out that book. And in closing, as usual, you guys already know. And for those who don't know. You can reach me on Twitter at Xavier C. Miller. The same for Instagram, Xavier C. Miller. Facebook, Xavier Miller. Uh, Snapchat, uh, Xavier Miller 312. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, uh, like the channel, you know, comment, give us feedback, all that good stuff. Feel free to do all that. And Deanna, she's going to give you her info as well. And you guys can find me on Instagram at Deanna Kent, on Twitter, Deanna S. Kent, and Facebook is Deanna Kent. And again, if you haven't subscribed to the Millionaire Mindsets daily text subscription, you can do so by texting at MMindsetsA1010, and you can um, begin receiving our daily inspirational text messages. That's well, that's, that's all we got for y'all. We appreciate that. See you guys next episode. Peace. On the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next till I'm on the way. You ain't take risks cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. Oh, a lot of shit on the way. On the way.